So when I'm lying in my bed And the furniture starts creeping I'll just laugh and say, hey, cut that out And get back to my sleeping Cause I know that God's the biggest And he's watching all the while So when I get scared, I'll think of him And close my eyes and smile to make of the little clap there. There was like, thanks for trying. Some of you guys remember that fondly, right? You remember VeggieTales? Are we, I mean, I don't know how to ask this question. Are we all old enough in this room to know VeggieTales? Are we still putting our kids on VeggieTales or is that not a thing anymore? That's sad if that's not a thing anymore. It's kind of interesting because uh, fear is a really interesting emotion. Fear is a really interesting thing. Fear is a motivator. It's, it's not like a, um, a thing or an emotion or, or a feeling that, that doesn't produce a result. Fear always produces a result. It's a motivator either to action or inaction. And we kind of chuckle when uh, maybe it's being afraid of the boogeyman or whatever, and sometimes there's some fears that we kind of chuckle at, and then there's other ones that, that somehow force us into action or inaction. Both of those are choices. Right? Fear plays a huge part in our culture. Like personally, I've never understood uh, like horror movies or haunted houses. They just don't, they don't do it for me. I don't get it. But I know it's a huge industry. And, and I know that tons of people, they love that. That concept of just getting scared. They pay tons of money to, 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 be, to be made afraid for a moment. It plays a huge part in our culture. And our media loves fear. Like if, do you watch the news? Is there nothing good that goes on in the world ever? Like if we watch the news alone, like it's just interesting because it seems like there's so much things to be afraid of. And our media uses it to sell everything from deodorant to diapers. Like be afraid because if you don't get this brand of diaper, your kid will, <laughs> whatever, right? The media uses fear to get us to buy things. Our media absolutely loves it. Millennials, those born in, from 1981 to 1996, they were raised by us, Gen Xers. And we kind of raise them on a steady diet of fear. There'll be no social security when you get to be old. 
There's no jobs. The economy sucks. There's really no point. It's just this constant sense of fear. Marriages don't last. You can't trust anybody. Bosses are horrible. Like Gen Xers, we did that to our millennials. So it's no surprise that millennials uh, have this concept of fear so embedded. They wait longer to get a job. They wait longer to get married. Some never have kids or they wait later to have kids. It's really no surprise because we've really fed this steady diet of fear. I was listening to a friend of mine um, a few months ago, and and he was saying that uh, every superhero backstory is rooted in fear. Like, there's fear in in, in every superhero's backstory. That's part of why we love backstories of superheroes. I asked some of my friends who are superheroes to come this morning, just so in case you don't know who these people are, then you'll know, because some of you I know aren't into comic books, and that's okay. Jesus still loves you. But I want you to see them. So so we asked uh, Batman and Supergirl to come. I think they're here. I think they're coming out. Can you guys make it out okay? It's kind of dangerous back here, huh? It's a little scary. (laughs) See what I did? Come on out, guy. We'll come all the way out here. Yeah, come on out. Hi, guys. So, so some would say Batman might be afraid of abandonment, or maybe it's just bats, I don't know. But, but here's some fear in his backstory. And Supergirl, some might say that Supergirl's afraid of not measuring up, or fear of failure. If you watch those comics and see those stories, that, those are kind of embedded in their story. I have one more superhero friend back here. His name is Flash. He might have already been out a couple times because he's the Flash. I know who the comic nerds are in the room, so I like that. Come on out here, Flash, yeah. Some, some might say that the Flash's uh, fear is losing those who are close to him. I, I don't know if all of that's true because I'm not really a comic guy. But, but it is true that every superhero's backstory has fear in it. But the reason that we love superhero stories is because while it has fear, fear is not the end of the story. Like Batman and Supergirl and Flash all overcome that fear. And that's why we love that story. Can we just have a minute up here? Can you guys, can we do a selfie? Here, we're going to flip this around. Oh, hang on. Chris doesn't know how to work his own phone because Chris is an Xer, not a millennial. Okay, here we go. Can we get in there? Are we in there? That's great. Hey, can we turn around this way now and do it with these guys back here? They're going to be in our selfie too. Ready? Get in there, Flash. I love it. All right. Hey, can you give these guys a big hand? Moms and dads are waiting for you back there. We can head right back out to mom and dad. (laughs) Yeah, you can't go wrong if you bring kids out, right? Aren't they adorable? They're just a riot. The, the, The thing that we're trying to just put in our heads as we start right now is that fear is a part of every story. It's just not the end of the story. And that's true of superheroes, but I think it's true of us too. So what I want to do in the next few minutes that we have together is just look at what I think is one of the weirdest things that Jesus ever said. That's a big deal for me to say that because I think Jesus said lots of strange things. Or maybe the things aren't so strange, but when he says them, is kind of weird. So I want to look at what I think has got to be the, the top couple, if not the top, weirdest things that Jesus ever said. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 10. And if you have a, um, uh, the app open up this morning, or if you have a pew Bible in front of you, or the verses will also pop up behind me, and so uh, we, can, we can follow along that way. This is what I, I want us to see. Matthew, chapter 10, starting in verse 1. It says this. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave him authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. This is a great start. 
This isn't the weird part yet. This is a great start. He calls the boys to him and he says, hey, I'm giving you this role. You're going to do these amazing things. And they're thinking, this is very cool. Jesus is going to send them out on kind of their first like solo mission. Like they're going to go out two by two, but but they're like without Jesus. And they're going to go out and do the things that Jesus has been doing. And so I got to think that they're pretty excited about this. They're thinking, this is great. Verse 2. It says, These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, his brother Andrew, and James, Simon of Zebedee, and John, and Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. So he names the twelve guys. That's kind of cool. Like, your name is in the Bible now. Like Jesus said, I got twelve that I'm going to send out on this mission. You're one of the twelve. I'm writing your name down in a thing that people are going to read like 2,000 years later. That's a pretty cool thing. That had to make them feel pretty... uh, Pretty excited, pretty solid, pretty good. Verse 5. It says, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter the town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. This is a great start because they really didn't dig the Gentiles. They really didn't appreciate the Samaritans. And Jesus is saying, uh, for your first mission, I'm going to send you to your people, the people that look like you, smell like you, celebrate the same holidays as you, talk like you. This is going to be really great. And they're like, this is great. We, we like the Jews. We like Israel. This is cool. We don't have to go to the Samaritans. We don't understand them. So he just says, that's where you're going to go. And he says, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. This is a great mission. You're going to do some cool things. It's not like you have to go out and give out all this bad news. You're just going to go out and you're going to heal people and say, hey, God's really close. And and you're going to cast that demon. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. And the guys are excited. We're going to go to our people in our area near us that we know doing something that's positive for the community. How great is that? Are, Are we together? feeling good? Verse uh, 9, he says, do not get or take any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. And as you enter the home, give it your greeting. The home is deserving. Let your presence rest on it. If not, let your presence or your peace return to you. If anyone doesn't welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Simply put, Jesus says, hey, don't have to take anything with you. You don't even have to, like, empty out your 401k. You don't have to cash in a pension or anything. Just go. And as you show up to places, like, just talk to people and be like, hey, I'm staying with you. And they'll be like, that's fine. And they're going to provide for you. Doesn't this sound cool? It's like, you're going to go do these amazing things, and I'm giving you this power, and people are going to welcome you into our homes. And, and if for some reason someone doesn't welcome you in, don't sweat it. Just walk away and know that I'll take care of it later. Like, that's a big deal, right? This is kind of cool. And so the guys are like, this is great. When do we leave? I'm super, super excited. And then there's this big pause between verse 15 and verse 16, I think. Because Jesus shifts here in 16. Because the guys are so excited, all these things that they're going to do, it's so positive and it makes sense and we can do it and and all this stuff. It says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Yeah, you felt that, didn't you? Because when there's sheep and wolves, it doesn't often go well for the sheep. And I got to think one of the guys sitting in the front was like, um, uh, Jesus... Uh, I want to opt for the first stuff and not that thing. Can I do that? Like a buffet? I'm going to take that stuff, desserts first, and I'm not going to do the vegetables. I'm not doing that. 
the whole sheep wolf thing, I'm not really cool with that unless we're the wolves. But you said we're the sheep and I don't want to do that. Like send you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes, as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogue. Flogged like whipped. Well, it is whipped. It's worse than whipped, right? Jesus says, so, so you're going to be like, like, like sheep. That's not a great start. And you're going to be flogged. Yay! Right? And I got to imagine the guys scratching their heads a little bit going, well, wait, wait, what happened to the casting of demons and people will take us in and you'll take care of the ones? And now we're flogged and, and, and sheep. In verse 20, uh, 18, it says, On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, don't worry about what you're to say or how you're to say it. At that time, it will be given to you what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Now, I know some of you heard the last part, and you're like, oh, that's neat, and I only heard the first part. When you get arrested. <laughs> when you, not if. That's a big, important word. Like, like you might get arrested. Jesus is like, you're going to get arrested. So, so there's sheep, and you'll be flogged, and you're going to get arrested and handed over. Uh, anybody ready to sign up for the mission yet? I'm not, and I've got to imagine the guys are thinking, this isn't cool. I don't, I don't know so much about that, but when they arrest you, it's not good. Verse 21, brother will betray brother to death, and father is child, children rebel against his parents and have them put to death. Family drama. Your life will be characterized by flogging, arrest, like a sheep, family drama. Oh boy. Verse 22, you will be hated by everyone because of me for the one who stands firm to the end will be saved you will be hated not like you might be hated or or uh, it's possible you're going to get disliked you will be hated and not by some or even many but like everyone's going to hate you flogged arrested handed over family drama and, and, and hated this is not going well you see the transition that just happened from a mission that sounded really neat and like exciting and my people that smell like me and I'm going to say these positive things, I'm going to heal. This is so cool. People are going to take me in. It's not going to cost me anything. Flogged, arrested, hated. Oh, good. We're not to the good part yet though. Hang in there. Verse 23 says, for when you are persecuted, that's that language thing again. For when you are persecuted in one place, no problem, flee to another. This is your life. This is, this is what's heading for you. Yeah, I got this great mission for you. F- flogged and arrested and f- fleeing and persecution and family drama. Welcome to it. This is rhetorical. It would be weird if you answered it. How are the guys feeling right now? How would you be feeling if you were in that situation? Here's the weirdest thing Jesus ever said. It's the next four, five words in verse 26. Jesus talks a little more in there and tells some more things. And in verse 26, he says this. So do not be afraid. That's funny, people. That's weird. Jesus just listed off like a dozen things. To be a flogging is not exciting. I don't know. I've never been flogged, but I can't imagine it's fun. Right? Being arrested isn't fun. I, I was arrested 14 times in one night. Not, not a joke, that's true, uh, but it's because I'm a chaplain for our local f- police department and they do these scenario trainings. And so I got to go and be part of the academy one night and they arrested, had 14 different groups arrest me. I didn't do anything wrong. I wasn't in trouble. I was an actor and I know they took it easy on me. It hurt. <laughs> 
it hurt. I laid on the, on the asphalt in the middle of summer more than I've ever wanted to do in my entire life. I can't imagine actually like being the bad guy. Are you with me in this? This is not fun or interesting. This is scary stuff. I was going to tell you more scenario, but I won't. I won't tell you more stories. It's just a scary. It was scary when you have when you have officers pulling the firearms, even though they're they're they're, they're airsoft guns, the simunitions. Uh, it's scary when twelve guys who are a little bit amped up are aiming a. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah. Arrested, right? Flogged. Not not fun stuff. This is stuff to be afraid of. This isn't stuff that like we look forward to. And, and if anybody says, "Oh, that's no big deal," like if any of the twelve, I don't think any of the twelve were saying this. But if any of the 12 were sitting there going, it's no problem, God is with us. I anticipate like a punch coming from the one next to him. Just shut up. These are, these are legitimate things to be afraid of. It's so interesting because Jesus says, but don't be afraid. See, it's, it's not that there's nothing to fear in our world. There's tons of stuff to be afraid of. There's tons of things to be afraid of. Some are, of you are living on that edge of fear right now. There's a diagnosis, there's a health, there's a break in relationship, there's a financial, there's a, a work thing, there's a child. There are plenty of things to be afraid of in our world. So, so what is Jesus talking about after he lists all these things to be afraid of for the guys? And then he says, don't be afraid. There's real junk out there. There's real evil. The devil is a real person. Again, the morning news reminds us constantly of all the things to be afraid of. It's interesting, in verse 28, Jesus begins to unpack this more. I'm going to read it from the message version of the Bible. So if you have a Bible open to NIV or ESV, that's great. You'll see the little difference in there. A message will pop up on the screen. I I just like the way that the uh, translators of this put it. This is what he says. That Jesus says it like this. Don't be bluffed into silence by the threat of bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Don't be bluffed into silence. In other words, don't let the bullies, the fears, the legitimate things to be afraid of. There are things out there that are scary. Like, don't let those bully you into silence. Don't let those things bully your soul. And so we put a title on this talk this morning. We call it uh, Joy Thieves and Soul Bullies because I, I think for me, and it's kind of fun because today I just get to preach not a series but just stuff that's been rolling around in my, my brain and my heart. And, and that's one of those concepts that's been rolling around in my, my brain and my heart is this idea of a soul bully. The things that want to bully our soul, the f- that, that cause fear and fear is a motivator to action or inaction. There are things in our world that just want to bully our soul into inaction or wrong action. And Jesus says, well, there's things to be afraid of. Like, don't let those things bully your soul because the one that we know, our God, is bigger than that fear. That, that goofy song, the Veggie Tales song, God is bigger than the boogeyman, right? It's such a silly song and now it's stuck in your head all day and I apologize for that sort of. But what great theology, Because God is bigger than those boogeymen, than those soul bullies. And I think, I think, I think we lie when we say, well, I don't have to be afraid of that. I'm not going to be afraid of that. But deep down inside, we're like, that scares me. That stuff scares me. And I don't think Jesus, when he says, don't be afraid, I don't think he's saying, hey, you know, you shouldn't even have fear. I think he's saying, hey, in the midst of that, like, understand that the one that you know, like, like Jesus, is much bigger than those soul bullies. As a matter of fact, he goes on to talk about that a little more in verse 28, the second half of verse 28. 
first half says, don't be bluffed into silence by the threat of bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Rather, save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body and soul, in his hands. And I want to pause on the word for a minute because in English it's the word fear and so we think, wait, we're supposed to be afraid of God like because he could squash me if he wants to or like I don't want to make him mad because he might, he might kick me or, or like ignore me. Or, and that's, that's not what scripture means when it talks about fear of God. Whenever it talks about fear of God, it's this concept because fear in, in Greek and Hebrew is such a richer word. It's this idea of respect or love. Or or like I said earlier, fear is a motivator. It motivates you to action. Uh, Passion is a great way to translate fear at times. This idea of uh, of respect and passion and love. And so it says Jesus is saying, hey, don't let those things that you could be afraid of bully your soul. Don't let those things motivate you. Matter of fact, if you're going to let something motivate you, let it be God. Let it be God. Let him motivate you. The love you have for him, the respect you have for him, the understanding of his character and nature and what he wants and who he is and how he's sacrificed and how he's cared for you. Let that be the thing that motivates you to right action. Like not, not the soul bullies that want something terrible for you. Rather, God who wants something great for you. Let our view of something motivate us. Let that be our view of God. God is bigger than all the stuff that tries to bully our souls. How do we know that? How do we know that's what Jesus meant by it? Well, if you drop down to verse 29, and again, I'll read in the message, it says this. Jesus begins to talk about, he uses an illustration they would have understood in their culture. We kind of maybe don't t- quite get it, but I think it makes enough sense. It says, what's the price of a pet canary? You think about, I don't, I don't know if this translates in our world. Is that a cheap animal? Is a canary cheap? What's, what's the price of a feeder goldfish? <laughs> Maybe that's a better, I don't want to use feeder mice because that someone's going to freak out. But you know what I'm saying, right? The, the cheapest pet you can get at the store. Those goldfish are ridiculous, aren't they? I mean, like, like you go to the carnival or the fair and you win like 20 of them in a bag and, and, and they live forever and then you go to the store and buy an expensive fish. It dies in six hours. Is that anybody else's world? Like those little cheap goldfish, right? He, said, he says, what's, what's the price of a pet canary, a feeder goldfish? Some loose change, right? And God cares what happens to it even more than you do. He pays even greater attention to you, down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head. So don't be intimidated by all this bully talk. You're worth more than a million canaries. Isn't that rich? You're worth more than a million canaries. Like God cares what happens to the feeder goldfish. I don't even care what happens to the feeder goldfish. God cares. He cares so much more about us. And it says, Jesus uses the picture, uh, numbering the hairs on your head. If there was anything that I could care less about, I can't imagine what it is. I don't care how much hair you have on your head or I have on my head. Somehow, God, that matters to him. I don't know why that matters to him. Like, like he knows that. Not like you don't have enough hair on your head and so he's not happy or you have too much hair on your head. But like, he just knows. That's a detail he understands important. That's kind of interesting, that he cares about the smallest details of our lives. So in reality, what is it that we have to fear? What is it that would bully us into silence or wrong action? It's not much different than what Jesus says in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, Jesus is using an illustration trying to help uh, the people listening understand how he's different than the rest of the systems in the world or the things in the world. This is what he says, starting in verse 7 of chapter 10. He says, therefore, Jesus said again, truly, truly, I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. 
And all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is comparing two kinds of people, the, 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 the gate or really the shepherd because the shepherd would often describe himself as a gate because he'd stand at the entryway to the pen and let the sheep in or keep out the things that shouldn't be there. So he's describing himself as a shepherd, a good shepherd versus thieves and robbers. And he says that these, they, they, have, they have two different goals. Like the shepherd cares for the sheep whereas the thieves and robbers just want to steal what the sheep have or some way of understanding it might be actually steal the sheep. Anyway, you look at it, it says that, that the shepherd, Jesus, has come to give full and abundant life. That's joy-filled life. Not that we're happy all the time. There's real stuff to be afraid of. There's real challenges in life. Sometimes, life sucks. But not all the time. And even in the midst of the struggle, we can recognize that we've got this God who cares for us, and that's got to give us some sense of well being. See, the thief is the opposite. The thief comes to just take away, to minimize, to make life less than for the sheep. That's his goal. He wants to bully us into some kind of small existence. So, so if I can for a minute, let me get uber practical. Uh, what are some joy thieves and soul bullies in our lives? You, you'd have your own list. This is my list. Uh, this may not resonate with you. There's a space in the app if you want to add some. And I would love it, honestly, if you would want to email me what those are. I think that would be interesting for me to see that. But these are just a couple that I put down. Number one, social media. I think social media is a soul bully. And I'm thinking of, man, I, yeah, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, Facebook at times is a soul bully for me because, because Facebook is like these, 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 these argumentative Facebook warriors. I, I don't sense that it's a real conversation that happens most of the time. It's people who, who can say anything they want behind the protection of a screen and it just becomes really ugly. I don't know if anybody else has the same experience or not, but I, I go on Facebook. I, I like Facebook because I like running sites and gun sites and that's what I want to see. And, and, I, and I see this stuff on there that honestly hurts my soul. And so I was talking to a friend of mine about it uh, some months ago, and it was funny because he was saying that he and his wife have what they call unfollow parties. They climb into bed at night and they start walking through, you know what this is? They start walking through their Facebook feeds and they're like, oh, that person has a 30-day suspension. Oh, that person, they're gone, unfollowed. And I don't know why, because I'm not real smart, I guess. I was like, oh, I can do that, can't I? I don't have to be afraid when I open Facebook that I'm going to somehow get hit by somebody's comment that's just going to crush my soul. I can simply say I'm not doing that. But unfollowing people, I know, it's revolutionary, right? Because sometimes social media is a soul bully. Sometimes TV news is a soul bully and a joy stealer. Never in the history of the world have we been fed all the bad stuff all over the world at the same time. See, I think it's always been this bad. I know some people, some old-timers sometimes say, oh, the world's never been this bad. I think it has. I, don't, I mean, if we look back in the book of Genesis, like way back in the day, God felt like it was so bad he sent a flood. <laughs> we haven't had that since. I think it's always been this bad. I just think that we've not always known every bout of dysentery six time zones away at the same time. And now we see it constantly and it's thrown in front of us and it's on our, our, our mobile devices and our TVs and our Sirius XM and we just hear it all the time. TV news sometimes is a soul bully. Uh, the devil and my past failure. It's a soul bully. Enough said? When I, when I think I'm making some traction, the devil loves to remind me of, yeah, but remember when? Yeah, but just the other day you, that, that's a joy thief. 
That's a, that's a soul bully. Uh, the Eeyores of the world. <laughs> you know Winnie the Pooh? You know this Eeyore character? Like, ever gonna get better, right? There's this phrase, his misery loves company. I don't know why that is. But the Eeyores of the world, that everything is always terrible. And again, sometimes life stinks. Sometimes there is tough stuff that we're going through. We need to be honest about it with our life group or people in our world that we can communicate with. They can, they can come around us and care for us and remind us that our God is bigger than even that thing. And yet, it doesn't always stink. It isn't always terrible. And yet, there are some people in my world that their life is always terrible. I think sometimes we have to remember to look for the great things that God is doing around us. God is doing great things around you. You know this, right? Amen. And I miss them all the time because I forget to look for them. Uh, the last one I wrote down was the hypercritical. Uh, they just, they want me to be as miserable as they are. The, the phrase is hurt people, hurt people. You know what I mean by that? Hurt people, hurt people. And it's true. So the hypercritical, they're going to pick on everything you say or do or whatever. It might be because they just want to drag you down into their dysfunction. The, the, the challenge is, and I think the scariest thing, is I have tendency to be all of these people. And so as much as I hate those who, who steal joy from me or, or try to bully my soul, I, I hate more the fact that I tend to be those people. I need Jesus so much. Amen? I need more and more of him in me every day. What's the point of all this? What am I trying to say with all this? It's not that there's nothing to fear in our lives. It's just that fear doesn't have to control us. We don't have to be bullied by it because God is bigger than those things that cause fear. He's bigger than the soul bullies and the the joy thieves. See, the place you experience fear may be the very place God wants to do something extraordinary with your story. See, if you're not afraid of it, it's because you're not in it. You don't have the option to not be in it because God has called us to be in it. So high school graduates, yeah, there's lots of stuff to be afraid of. There's lots of things to be scary. Like college, career, military, marriage, kids, moving away from home, all those things that are on your plate. What's next? Will I get a job? Will I be 42 and living in my parents' basement? I don't know. There's lots of things that you could be afraid of. But don't let the fear of it keep you from doing it. Like you have a God who is for you. And he can walk with you through all those scary things. Post-high schoolers, that's the rest of us, right? Same is true. Got to stop letting soul bullies and joy thieves impact or minimize the life God has for us. Could you imagine if the 12 disciples, after getting this this sense of mission, where Jesus says, I'm going to send you out and flogged and arrested, and it's going to be great. Could you imagine if they were like, oh, I can't do that. I'm just going to go home and watch Netflix. It's too much. Like, where would we be? Where would the church be today? Where would we be? Where would be the message of Christ? Like, they, they didn't do that. They said, okay, all right, send us out. And they got flogged and arrested. Jesus wasn't a liar. It was tough stuff. And yet they counted it like, like privilege. Like, we read in Acts, like some of these guys, they're singing in the midst of it because they just knew that God was formed and they had this, God had this great plan for them and they were gonna be part of it despite the fears, despite the things that could have terrified them into inaction. Like any good superhero story, fear is part of the adventure. I think our job is to not let it be the end of the adventure. Amen? If you guys stand, we'll sing a song. We'll be done.